Welcome to The Bee Podcast. The mission of The Bee is to create an inspiring platform for all women of every age to have meaningful conversations with the intent to genuinely understand each other's journey, to listen to stories similar and different than our own, engage in each other's triumphs and failures, hear and validate one another on the separate unique journeys we have traveled, the loss we have endured, the joy we have encountered, and the reason behind the lessons we have learned. Bees symbolize community, personal growth, and power. And that is what we aim to do here. Create community, foster growth, and empower women. I'm Cami Milliken, and this is the Bee Podcast. Hey, Bee Podcast family. Thanks so much for listening. As we close out our second season of The Bee, I want to thank you all for your support. Thank you so much. All of these stories have just proven to be amazing and have given me so much hope and joy for upcoming generations of women. I'm so grateful for each and every one of you. I'm going to be taking time off to soak up this summer with my family. My children are growing up right in front of my eyes, and I don't want to miss it. Keep your ears open for a release date for season three. Now moving on today, Rachel Spurgeon joins us to talk about the struggle to balance life and motherhood. It can be so very difficult to justify making time to spend on ourselves, us, number one, mom, me. But it's so important. And here's the thing, like we know that it's important, but we often just brush it off by things that have to be done. And before long, we're burying ourselves in busyness again and still feeling that empty void. Rachel shares with us today how her journey to finding contentment and happiness was not marked by those around her, but by her investment of time that she made in herself. Hi guys, I am here with Rachel Spurgeon. Rachel, how are you? I am doing great. I'm so excited to be here. Um, Yeah, just excited. Yeah, I'm so thankful that you agreed to have a conversation with me because I think this is going to hit home for a lot of women. So Rachel, go ahead and just start by telling us a little about who you are, your family, your career, your hobbies. All right. So about me, um, I am from a small town in Southeast Iowa where I was born and raised. Um, I left and went to college at UNI and then um, came back home. I just, there's just something about my parents are here. Um, and so there's just something about being close to family um, that made me want to come back. So I live here with my husband and three girls. I got my teaching degree in early childhood. I knew that that was something that I always wanted to do. Um, I've always had a passion for working with kids. Um, I knew from a really young age that I wanted to be a mom. Um, and I'm fortunate to be blessed with three beautiful girls, um, Ellie, Ava and river. And uh, let me tell you, motherhood is the hardest, most exhausting, but yet most rewarding job there is. So I would say my hobbies right now include taking care of my kids. (laughs) Um, it's funny how, um, after, after you have kids, your hobbies kind of become things that you have to do, not necessarily the things that you always want to do, but I would say just spending time with family, um, being outside, we like to go camping. Um, Cody and I used to do a lot of bow fishing actually. Um, he still does lots of it. I don't get out as often because, with the kids, we would have to have a sitter to be able to do that. But yeah, camping, just being outside, spending time with family and stuff, I would say are, are some of my hobbies. So let's talk about your husband. How did you guys meet? Um, we actually knew each other in elementary school. Um, we both went to Wildwood Elementary 
Um, yes. <laughs> wildcats. Yeah. Wildwood wildcats. Um, <laughs> and then later on, you know, just, we, we didn't really, you know, know each other, see each other, anything. Um, when I was after, um, after college, I came back, I went to UNI for elementary and early childhood education. And after I came home from college, I moved in with his cousin, actually, um, and another girlfriend of ours. And so I think just by being around, you know, his family and stuff, we kind of just, I don't know, ran into each other and passing and stuff. We had our first date, I think, on a motorcycle to Applebee's, maybe, I don't know, you know, cause there's so many places to go here, <laughs> um, in small town, small town, uh -huh. but yeah, we were together for about a year or so and he proposed and we got married and bought a house. And then we decided to, to grow our family. He had, um, Ellie at the time. So when we met, she was about a year and a half, maybe close to two, and so, um, you know, starting out that relationship, we already had a family. Um, and so that was, that was how it all started. Yeah. And, you know, it's so exciting when you're, you know, first dating and you're married and you're starting out. Uh, can you kind of describe your role as a wife at that time when, when things were fresh and new? Yeah, I think we, we did really good, I guess, being a team, uh, we would, take turns with things and things like that. Um, I would say as a wife and, and, and stepmom bonus mom at the time, I did kind of all, you know, all of the roles as a, as a, um, you know, as a mom cleaning, cooking, having fun, playing. I liked running. Um, I did girls nights with my friends and things like that. And mm -hmm. I think we just really, I don't know how to word it, but we really, still paid attention to what each other liked to do and what, um, what brought each other joy. I think sometimes, and, you know, we may get into this later, but I think after you add the kids and all of the things that sometimes that stuff goes away, or it doesn't seem as much in the forefront because you have all of the other things to do. So yeah, thinking back on it, we did do a lot of stuff together. Yeah. You're making time to invest in each other by, you know, loving on each other by, doing those things that are fun and important to the others, uh, recreationally, I guess. So then when did you decide to grow your family? Um, we had been buried for about buried. <laughs> we had been married for about a year. And, you know, we were just talking about, you know, how we wanted to have our kids somewhat close together at the time. Ellie was already over five, I believe. And so we just decided that, you know, it was, it was time. And it was actually, we, we were very, we were very lucky and very blessed that it happened um, pretty quickly for us and, and pretty, pretty easy. And so pregnancy with her was, <laughs> It was a breeze. Um, actually it was, it was, it was, I wasn't sick. I didn't have morning sickness. I felt great. Um, but I did have, um, a scare around 16 weeks and I just had some bleeding and it was terrifying. Um, I thought, you know, that this was it. I mean, I'm having a miscarriage, whatever. And I, I remember, at that point, basically kind of making an excuse for myself right then and there that I'm carrying this baby. I have to make sure that I take care of it. And then I, 
I kind of did the opposite of what they suggest to do, you know, stay active, eat healthy, all of those things. And I was scared. So I really didn't do any of it. I sat in the recliner. I watched Netflix. I didn't even really go for walks. I, I wasn't, I, you know, I was exercising when I got pregnant and I stopped, you know, and, and things like that. And I think that's kind of when my mindset started to go, I guess a little bit, if, if you, if you want to call it. And I just started making a lot of excuses for myself. I'm pregnant. I can't do this, or I'm pregnant and I have to eat for two. And so I really packed on the weight (laughs) with Ava. Um, and that really affected a lot of things for me just in my mindset, um, and how I felt about myself. That would have been, you know, scary to, to have that experience, you know, mid pregnancy, it is kind of ingrained in us that if you're moving or you're doing something, oh no, no, like I'll, I'll carry that. I'll take that for you, which is all well intended. But I mean, women have been having babies and carrying other babies while they're pregnant with their babies for years and years. And so, yeah, there is, there's that weird, you know, take care of yourself and, uh, or, you know, move physically and make sure that you're eating well, but at the same time, we're like, put your feet up. And yeah, there's like this. So it's hard to know, like, what, what am I, what am I supposed to do? But then adding in that element or that layer of bleeding mid-pregnancy, that would have been kind of an extra element of scary. Did you feel in that time, did you feel that that was what was best for you though? I did. And, And that's actually a really good way to put it is that looking back now, I, I see that it was just me making excuses, but in the time I really did think, you know, like I, I can't be active. I can't do these things. I'm, I'm worried. And, and really, I mean, it, it was nothing. Um, you know, the doctor told me that it, w- it was fine. It was probably just like a blood vessel or something. No big deal. You can, you know, go on about, <laughs> go on about your life. Um, and I just, I, I didn't. Well, it's so hard to know. It's so hard to know. What am I supposed to do? It is. It's, it's such a hard balance. I feel like, I feel like in today's society, there is so much of like, be present in the moment, do, you know, do these things and, you know, be present with your kids. But then there's also the like, work hard, hustle, go after your dreams. Like there is, there is so much, like everything's contradicting. Mm-hmm. And so it can be really hard. And I think that that's what I've been trying to work on so much is just the balance, finding a balance of chasing your dreams, going after what you want, doing the things that make you happy, but also being present in those moments with your kids or your spouse or your family or, you know, whatever it may be. And that is challenging. It's hard. It is something that I think you know, I work out every day (laughs) to do. So talking about Ava, you have this beautiful baby and you're bringing her home. How did you adjust to life with a newborn? I want to say that I adjusted well. Um, I've wanted to be a mom forever. (laughs) It was just, it's kind of like one of my, what do you want to be when you grow up? A mom. (laughs) But and I, and I, and I want to say that like, I, I, you know, I handled it. I had it all under control, but honestly, I think I had it too under control. I took too much control of everything. I wanted to be the only one, um, changing diapers and giving her a bath and putting her to bed and doing all of the things. And I didn't really 
let anyone else help, especially my husband. I think I kind of created a, a, a monster, I guess, you know, just by always, always doing it and, and doing all of the things. I I'm, have a really hard time asking for help. Um, but at the same time, I was like screaming inside, like, oh my gosh, I'm so exhausted. I'm so tired. I don't have any time to do this that, you know, and whatever it was, but yet had this pull of, I don't want to miss a second. You know, everybody was always like, it goes so fast. It goes so fast. Don't take anything for granted. And I like truly took that so, so much to heart that I was like, I can't, I can't cook dinner. I can't do a load of laundry. I can't get a workout in. I can't go have dinner with my friends. I can't go on a date night with my husband because I'm going to miss out on this baby. I'm going to miss out on something. I'm going to miss a first. I'm going to, you know, miss something. And so I was, it was rough. It was, I was so torn because I thought I was being a really good mom by doing everything myself and by not letting anyone else help. And that I I felt guilty if I did do anything else. And so it it was, it was definitely challenging when I, and I, and I wasn't expecting any of that, I guess, because I've wanted to be a mom for so long. Right. Did you, do you feel like that stemmed from anxiety after bringing her home? To me, I was thinking, you know, I'm not sad. I'm not crying. I I don't, I'm not distant from my baby. You know, a lot of the things that they talk about, you know, sometimes with, with postpartum depression and mine came out and my poor husband, (laughs) mine came out in like a rage and like irritation. And I was just, I was frustrated if he helped. I was frustrated if he didn't help. I was, I was just frustrated about a lot of, you know, a lot of things. I couldn't really pinpoint it. I couldn't really. Um, and so I did, I, I went to my doctor, we talked about it and I ended up getting um, meds for postpartum issues and they helped. They really did. First of all, I want to say that that's good that you recognize that and took steps in order to alleviate that for your family. But I'm remembering you talking about how you wanted to maintain all this control and it's so awful but isn't it just when you realize that you have no control is when you have a newborn baby, <laughs> it's terrifying. Yes, it is. And, and I think that was, um, it was, it was wanting to have control over everything. And I think probably realizing in the back of my mind that I didn't really have control over anything, um, you know, not sleep schedules or, you know, anything I was breastfeeding and pumping and it was exhausted and I had no sleep. And, you know, that kind of led into then again, kind of like my second, second round, I guess, of excuses. Do you want to call, if you want to call them, Mm -hmm. um, again, like looking, looking back that that's kind of how they were in, in my mind, I was, I can't be away from her. I can't go to the gym. I can't exercise. I can't eat less because I'm breastfeeding. But at the same time, I was letting so much of myself go. Like I was letting my weight go. I got to the heaviest weight that I'd ever been in. I was not comfortable in anything. I didn't like being around anyone. I didn't like going places and I'm like having to get dressed. I let things in my house go. And I was just letting all of it go because, um, it was, I have to be, I have to be with my kids. I can't, I have, you know, and, th- and then that comes, there comes that 
society piece that is let it go, mama, you know, you need to spend time with your babies and you need to do this. And so I justified that. And I'm like, yeah, I, I need to spend time with my kids. All this other stuff can go. And it started to, you know, then cause issues between my husband and I, he was over here. Like, you're just not the same person you used to do all of these things. And, and I took that as, well, of course I'm not the same person. I just had a baby and my, my hormones are all over, you know, and I took that as him not supporting me. Um, when really it was just a lot of my own, my own actions and, and the, the mind game that was going on in my head of the guilt that I was torn between, um, spending time with my kids. When planning out your family, what did you imagine life to be like compared to what you were living in that moment? I think I imagined things to be easier because I've always, I've always been like that caregiver mother type. Uh, you know, I went into education. I, I really like the only kinds of jobs that I have are been caregiving. You know, I went from babysitting to then being a nanny to working in childcare to then being a teacher and an educator. And so I guess I just thought that it was going to be easier. Mm-hmm. And then again, I felt these mind games like, you know, come on, Rachel, this is what you've always wanted. You know, why is it so tough for you right now? And then this may be super naive, but not realizing all of the work <laughs> that went into it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because we don't have these like hard conversations of how kind of difficult bringing a baby home is or how difficult parenting is. And, but it's so difficult, beautiful things don't come without a lot of work. And so, exactly. and I think it was, you know, thinking of like all of these cute family pictures and these family get togethers and matching outfits and, you know, all of the, the things. And it's like, you see, and if, you know, of course, comparison is the thief of joy. And I think that that is with social media, there's just, you see so much of what everybody else is doing, but of course it's what they, you know, what they show and stuff too. So we have, you know, I have to keep that in mind, but, you know, I, I would see, you know, pictures of these girls in matching outfits or whatever. And I would try to do it. And then I would be like, Oh my gosh, that was 30 minutes of like a sweat, sweaty, hot mess. Just to get this, <laughs> just to get this one picture. And then it just made me think like, does everyone else have to like to do this or does it just come easy for them or, you know? And so women want to encourage each other. Mostly women want to encourage each other. And especially you know, women who are maybe a generation older don't want to scare young moms. I don't know what the worst case scenario is. If you scare a mom, like, what is she going to do? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we don't want to scare moms, but at the same time, we are so ill-equipped and have zero knowledge. I mean, there's a book, like what to expect when you're expecting, but like, that's really no help. Thanks. Right. So I think it's important that we're having this conversation because the intent isn't to scare. The intent is to inform, make other people aware, Uh, especially young people who are wanting to have families. Like, yeah, it's going to be the greatest ride of your life. You're going to flip and love it, but it's going to suck sometimes. (laughs) So saddle up, sister. So then what did your personal routine look like after you have had Ava and, uh, and Ellie, and you're trying to find your new norm. It was sleeping till like the very last minute. (laughs) 
<laughs> in the mornings because I was, you know, I was exhausted. Um, so it was a lot of mornings of dry shampoo and not showering and getting through work and then coming, you know, picking the girls up, getting them from school, from the bus, from daycare, then coming home and, a lot of it then was just spending time with them. Um, I usually would be like, oh, well, I don't I don't feel like making dinner tonight. We were like grabbing things, you know, out to eat a lot and things like that because I was always, I don't want to cook. I don't want to do the dishes. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to do all of these things. So I just felt, I mean, most of my life revolved around them. I mean, it really did. I, I kind of just really put everything else to the back burner, myself, my husband, everything. And that's a hard place to be. And once you get there, it's hard to figure out how do I get out of this because this is not working. So Rachel, then how did you feel like you balanced it? Did you feel like you were able to balance? Well, it sounds like you were kind of getting to a point of really just over feeling overwhelmed. Yeah, that would definitely be um, probably the best word to describe it. I got to a point where I just, and, and it's crazy because I didn't, I don't think I realized it then. I I don't think that I really realized how overwhelmed I was and how I just, I never really let anyone help with anything. I I wish that I would have, I was trying to do all the things for everyone. Again, when I say this stuff, you know, it wasn't like every day was horrible. Um, There were, you know, there were a lot of days that were great, but I would say the majority of the time I, I didn't feel like I was balancing it well. It's so good to hear you talk about this because I, I do think it will resonate with a lot of people because I think a lot of women do take on that. I'll do it myself because, um, cause it's I easier. No. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. And you know, I have a, one of my really, one of my best friends, we talk about this a lot that it is, you know, we'll, we'll complain like, Oh my gosh, I had, you know, I asked one person to do whatever and it, you know, it doesn't get done or it's a, it's a fight or it's a battle. And so I just do it myself and, and, and whether that be with family or work or, or whatever, um, I think just as women, we tend to do that because we think it's going to be easier on ourselves because we want the control and letting someone help you, even though it's not the way that you want it to be done. Is that better than you taking on all of it and at the end of the day feeling like crap. Right. And I also kind of wonder if it seems easier because yeah, you, you do it yourself and it seems like, okay, I know that it's done the way that I want it done. But I also wonder if we rather do things like that because we don't have to like grow or do anything else or like force ourselves to grow in any way or force ourselves to get uncomfortable by allowing things to be done in a different way. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. Things can get like, just really, I talk a lot. I, I have been realizing, I guess lately, just a lot about comfort zones. And it's just funny that you mentioned that because I think that is, it all kind of goes hand in hand, you know, like when you have the control of things, you're in this comfort zone, you know, how things are going to go. You're, you know, you're just going along and everything. And then, you know, when, when a speed bump comes or something, then it's kind of like, Oh, um, I'm not really sure. I I think I'm just going to hang on to all of this because if I let it go, it might not go as planned, or I have to, I'm going to have to be uncomfortable 
letting it go a different way. Well, I'm going to, so, yeah. It, like I, I'm so like the visual that I'm, ex, I'm seeing is like a road, like I'm in the comfort zone, like I'm in the right lane and oh my gosh, Oh, there's a bump. And I've got, I'm, I'm literally holding on to all of these things. And if like, I, I don't want anything to fall, yes. even though someone is right next to me and is willing to catch it, I don't want it to fall because then I lose, I lose what I think is my identity, but really it's not right. And I think that that, yeah, that identity definitely, definitely resonates and hits home because I felt like as a, as a mom, if I let someone else do any of those things that I was juggling or, or balancing or whatever, that I was a bad mom, that's a lot. And we shouldn't feel like that as moms, no. Our, their grandparents want to have them just as much as we do. And yeah. you know, it's just, yeah, I was a, yeah. I remember feeling like that a lot. Well, and we also live again in a world where there's social media readily Mm -hmm. available at our fingertips. And it's really easy to just like scroll through and judge. (laughs) Rachel, were there any issues that you personally struggled with during this time, like punctuality or image, or uh, you, you talked about your kind of unwillingness to receive help. Um, I struggled with, I think the main thing I struggled with was my weight Um, and just not feeling comfortable in my own skin, not feeling comfortable in anything that I wore, um, which then caused me to like, not want to be in pictures or not really want to go do a lot of things. I remember very vividly there being times, a lot of times actually, when Cody would ask me to come outside and play with the girls. I never wanted to go outside and play because I didn't like how shorts fit. I don't like wearing shorts. I don't like wearing a tank top and it was 90 degrees outside. And so I didn't really want to be in pants either. And so I just avoided the situation. So the drive to want to be around your kids at all times and make certain that you were there for them and not missing out on anything. And slowly you're like, dying inside. Mm -hmm. And then, then you start to kind of not be who you once were. And then you're kind of like losing little, little pieces bits by bits. Yeah. That's definitely how I would describe it as I was just kind of losing me, just losing Rachel. Um, I think, I think I lost part of me. Okay. I don't want to say lost. I don't know how to word this, but I feel like I lost part part of me when I became a mom because then that was my identity was being a mom. And so I did let a lot of the pieces of me that I was before I was a mom go, you know, wanting to have the picked up house, spending time with my husband, taking care of my body, eating well, drinking water, you know, exercising. I mean, I've always been a very active person and it was like, after I had Ava, I was like, mm, nope, I'm not, I'm not spending the time on that. I can't, I can't, you know, be away from her or, or whatever it was. And I think I just got so far into a, like I said, I was the heaviest that I'd been. And I think I just got so far gone, I guess you want to call it that I didn't have any kind of motivation. And it was just a, nothing's going to work anyway. I'm, I don't, I don't care. Even though I I really did care, (laughs) I really cared, you know, about how I looked and things, but yet I didn't have any motivation and I didn't 
I didn't do anything to make changes. Also, the older we get, the more our bodies change anyway, especially after having children. Not only are you getting to know your new job as mom, you're getting to know and be comfortable in your new skin because it is, I mean, your hips change, bellies change, skin changes. And so yeah, having to kind of meet yourself again mm-hmm. is something that no one really talks about either. Like I saw again, social media, <laughs> I don't know how many times yeah. I referenced that this time, but you see so many people like bouncing back and, you know, like it being such like such this, oh, I got back down to my pre-pregnancy weight by, you know, whenever for me, I, I actually, right after I had Ava did. I I bounced back very quickly with breastfeeding. And it was about when she was about four months old that like, then the cravings kicked in and, you know, I didn't have all of the, um, I wasn't burning as many calories, you know, with her nursing and things like that. But, and then I didn't start becoming active. And so that's when I think I, you know, again, made those excuses of, well, I'm nursing, so I have to eat all the food. I'm hungry all the time. So I have to eat all the food all the time. Um, And so, yeah, it, it was too like a, well, I, you know, this, that's just not what my body's going to do. You know, it's not going to bounce back. It's, it's going to do this instead. And so, yeah. What was your self-talk like then? It sounds like it was not, not super pleasant at that time. You were feeling really low. Yeah. And I think I, I would just get so overwhelmed and, and anxious maybe trying to focus on the big picture. Like I I kept wanting to get to this calm, collected, patient, mom, wife, friend, you know, teacher. I I wanted to, I wanted to be this, you know, I wanted to lose weight. I wanted to feel good about myself, be more positive, but I just didn't know how to get there. And so then I just didn't take any steps. That was a lot of my headspace is that like, I knew where I wanted to go, but it was just so overwhelming that I, I didn't know how to get there. I didn't know how to take like those, those first initial steps or those small steps every day to get to that. What happened to mobilize you then? Started, well, actually my sister was getting married in 2018. And I was going to be the maid of honor. And I was like, whoa, I'm going to have to be in a dress. I'm going to have to be in front of people. I'm going to have to, you know, like I'm going to have to do all of these things. Mm -hmm. And I know that, you know, we shouldn't always be motivated by like extrinsic, extrinsic motivation. You know, a lot of it should come deep within, you know, and whatever, but I didn't have that. I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't have the inner stuff to get me going. So that, um, you know, was kind of a, Ooh, Okay. Yep. I gotta do something. So in the past I had done this like crash course diet, lost like 36 pounds in 40 days, like not, not super healthy. Um, but I'm like, you know what, that works for me. So I'm going to do this. And I did. And, and I was, I mean, I was successful with it. I got enough weight off that it, um, I felt, I felt comfortable, um, you know, at the, at the wedding and I felt good for a while. I was starting to you know, do some, do some more things and be more active with my kids and stuff. And then, um, not too long after that, I, I started, I, well, I was consistently working out. I was doing things. I remember Ava was like two and she would like try to bring out these little weights, you know, you know, and things like that. And so 
I was excited that then I was setting a good example, you know, for her and Ellie. And shortly after, I think I was like six weeks into, um, a program that I was, I was doing from home and I found out I was pregnant with river (laughs) and I just like a lot of these things, you know, came back like, well, I'm active now I can stay active through my pregnancy, but these workouts are getting kind of hard. And it just, it, I was just, I I was kind of stuck for a little while. Um, but I continued to try to stay active and, you know, and things, but my pregnancy with river was awful. (laughs) You know, so remember Ava, it was like easy peasy. Um, yeah, I was sick every day, multiple times a day with river. You know, sometimes I wouldn't be able to make it to the bathroom. I would be in my kitchen sink. Um, I remember being at Adventureland one day. It was in the trash cans there. It was in my <laughs> office in the debt, like, you know, by my trash can by my desk. And so I just didn't feel good to, to work out. I tried, um, you know, of course, like Ava liked to go on walks and the stroller. Um, but I did try to just be more mindful Um, Mm -hmm. I gained quite a bit of weight with Ava too, because I wasn't active, but with, with being, with not feeling well and not being able to eat, I was actually losing weight while I was pregnant. Um, you know, that wasn't obviously the intention and things, but Mm -hmm. I did start to feel a little bit, um, a little bit better. Um, you know, weight for me has always just been an is just always been an issue. I think I, I think I put too much emphasis on it to be completely honest. So fast forward to, um, after river was born. So she was born in December of 2019 and then March of 2020, like uh, everything shut down. (laughs) It's like the world stopped. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden I am at home with, my three kids still working full-time r- remotely. And I just remember kind of going it, at river was about four months old, which was at about that same time that, you know, when Ava was born that I, I kind of just started letting everything go. And I, I felt that happening again. I, and it was even worse this time because I was home and it was like, I had all the excuses again, kind of just told myself like, no, I'm not doing this. I'm not, I, you know, I deserve better. My kids deserve better. And so that's kind of when that, I don't know, I guess that shift or mindset shift kind of changed for me. Um, I got together with a girlfriend and I was like, Hey, you know, do you want to, you want to do something? Do you want to hold each other accountable? Do you want to, you know, we, I want to do this. And so I just, I started with exercise because I thought, Oh, if I work out every day, you know, that'll, that'll be good. But it became so much more than that. What, what did you want to change was, were there anything? I mean, you, you talked about weight, um, but what, what else in your headspace did you want to alter? I just wanted to be more patient and less irritable. You know, my husband would, would point out things that like, you're just always, you're always yelling at the kids or you just always seem frustrated or you're always raising your voice you know, things like that. And it just kind of really made me, you know, like hearing things, hearing negative things about yourself is never good, especially when they're true. And so I I think for me that that was kind of a, a trigger that I needed to do 
something different because I was, I was, I was happy. I was, I mean, I was a happy mom. I was happy in my marriage. I was happy in my job, but at the same time, I was also just still always irritable and frustrated and stressed and, and things. And I never really had an outlet or did anything to make those things better. And, and I think that's what I was looking for, but I didn't know again, as a mom with three kids at home now working, (laughs) working from home and everything is closing down. Like what, how am I supposed to take time? How am I supposed to take time to myself? What changes did you make then? What, what were your first steps? Um, one of the first things I did was I, I started working out. Um, I found a program that I could do from home and that was, I think such a big game changer because I could make it work and and fit my schedule. At first I thought that like, oh, I can just start working out, you know, every day and that'd be fine. I thought that Mm -hmm. that's all I needed because it was, it was an outlet. It was, you know, it was for stress relief. And so that's what I started with. I started with exercise and just trying to focus on eating better and drinking more water, like just going back to the basics, really, like what does my body need, you know, so that it can function properly every day. And so, yeah, I just, I just started there. Did you struggle with anything that I did at, at first? There were a lot of times, so it took a really long time, I guess, to figure out what worked for me. So I knew I wanted to get a workout in every day. Um, and I knew that I wanted to eat better, especially being at home all day long with the kids and I could snack or I could eat their macaroni or what, you know, whatever we were having. I wanted to start reading again. I, I used to read a lot. And so those were kind of things that I wanted to do, but finding how I was going to do them and when with my time schedule, I mean, I, I was, I'm busy mom. And three kids working from home, you know, and then all of the other responsibilities, you know, that you have as a, as a wife and a mom too. I found myself making excuses again. It was, well, I can't get up early in the morning to do it because I need my sleep because I'm still nursing or I still have a newborn or whatever. Um, well, at the time she wasn't a newborn, I guess she was four or five months old. But still, but still, they're still you know, very needy. Still, yeah. yeah, still very needy. But then I found, you know, that in the evenings it was, I was making the same excuses. It took a while. And I think that that's one of the things that one of the reasons that I never started doing anything to take care of myself because I was afraid of failing at it. I was afraid Um, of doing these things and then not being successful at them. And so, because I'd tried many things before, um, I'd probably tried, I don't know how many times to get up early in the morning. And I remember Cody making a comment about, you know, I said, you know, I'm going to start doing, I'm going to start. I I decided that I I had to do it in the morning because that is the only time that I can before the kids wake up and, you know, and and the day starts because once the day starts and your kids are awake, there is, (laughs) there is nothing they they consume everything. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's why, you know, a lot of moms are, I don't have time. I don't have time. And I, I really didn't, I didn't have a lot of time, but I made time. So I struggled at first for a while. And I remember telling Cody, like, I am going to start doing this in the morning. And he's like, okay. And I was like, excuse me, (laughs) just a minute. (laughs) 
And so it was kind of, I don't know, maybe that was, maybe that was like my underlying like push and my nudge was him telling me that I couldn't. Yeah. Um, but no, it was just, I just had finally had enough, I had enough of my own bullshit to, to mm-hmm. be completely honest. I, it was so much easier for me to make excuses it was easier to be in my comfort zone. It was easier to complain about the things that I didn't have or that I wanted or whatever than to do something about it and to make a change. Mm-hmm. And so it really just came down to me not wanting to feel like crap, me not wanting to be tired, me wanting to have the energy to be able to put into spending time with my kids that was that is so important to me. Did you have trouble keeping yourself accountable? What did you do to maintain that? Um, so for accountability for me, um, I joined like an accountability group, the accountability groups, um, you know, with my at home workouts and stuff really helped. It was just kind of like a, well, if all of these people know that I'm, it's kind of goes back to that, like fear of failure, like, okay, I've put this out here. I've joined this. Now I have to do it because if Mm -hmm. I don't, they're going to know that I'm not showing up and then, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and that really, really helped at the beginning, but it's one of those things that honestly, how do I want to word this? Motivation is not always going to be there. The excitement to like start something new is not always going to be there, but my why and my discipline is always there. And that's my family and my kids. And, you know, yes, I have the why to want to be better for me too, but ultimately, you know, I want to be a better me so that I can be better for them. I leaned and depended on that motivation and stuff from outside until I could develop it and the belief in myself that I could do both take care of me and take care of my family. That makes sense of any relationship. Like there's always that period of time where you're really excited about, Mm -hmm. you know, this new friend that you have or this new like romantic partner that you have and you're all very excited. And then, you know, reality sets in and, you know, all of those hard things pop up and it's make it or break it sort of thing. And you have to decide what's most important. You made this shift and you were like manifesting this. Did it take shape or form in any other aspect of your life? Like you're you're starting with yourself, you're getting up, you're drinking more water, you're trying to just make smaller, small, tangible uh, adjustments to your day in order to help you feel better and to be, you know, the mom that you desire to be. Did it manifest itself in those things like your, your marriage and your, your, your children? It did. Again, it not right away. It's something that I almost gave up quite a few times. Um, because I was putting this, I was putting this like expiration date on things and I was putting this end goal on things. Like if I do this for so long, then I can go back to binge eating food at night. Or if I do this program or do whatever. Um, and it was when I started to just really, really think about taking care of myself the way I take care of my family. So like I show up for them every day. I I don't let them down. I don't make excuses to not take take care of them. I show up for them in the way I I started, I guess, showing up for myself in the way that I show up for them. So when I started realizing that 
you know, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be about weight loss or although that, you know, that is what got me started, but definitely I had a goal. I, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to look better. I wanted to feel better. I wanted to be more confident, but when I started to focus on how it made me feel in, in my, in my, well, my body physically, but in my mind as well, when I get up and I take the time to do those things for myself, then I am showing up how I envisioned showing up for my kids. You know, I talk about being calmer and more patient and I am not saying that it is rainbows and unicorns at my house all of the time, because there are still some mornings where I'm like, we have got to go. Get your um, but I, I think it was just kind of that realization of like, I'm a, I'm a giver. I'm a fixer. I'm a, I want to take care of everyone, but I was not doing that effectively when I was not taking care of myself. You have to do things that fill you up and give you energy. Um, one of the trainers in, in one of my programs talked about that you're not tired from doing too many of the things that make you tired. You're tired from not doing enough of the things that give you light and bring you life. And that was just something that like <laughs> smacked me in the face one morning during my workout. And I'm like, whoa, that is so true. I wonder how many of us moms do purposefully try to do all the things so that the focus is not on us. Because I don't know if you're like me, but I don't like quiet. And when I have quiet or when I have any sort of downtime, I start thinking about things that are uncomfortable to think about, right? Uh, so I, I think that is something, and, I mean, and maybe maybe this isn't what you're saying at all, Rachel, but oh, I think- it, I th it is. I think that it's a tool that we use subconsciously to avoid dealing with our own crap. That's exactly where I was. I was using- motherhood, <laughs> momhood, wifehood, you know, working, whatever as excuses to not take care of myself, you know, in return, it was then making me not, a, not a great person. And, you know, then I wasn't having the family and the, the fun that I envisioned because I was so stressed or overwhelmed or bogged down and, it's funny because I didn't, I used to think that I didn't have time for myself um, because I was so busy, but I've actually made more time by taking time for me. I don't know if that makes sense, but I feel yeah. like when I start my day with the things that I need to get done in the morning and I, and I, I do my, so my morning routine um, is to get up and I practice gratitude. I write down five things that I'm grateful for that happened in the past 24 hours, five I am statements, and then just kind of some, some journaling about like what's going on in life or what I'm looking forward to or whatever. Um, and then push play on my workout and just have time then to get myself ready and all of that stuff before the kids get up. And by doing that, it takes away some of just like the overwhelming and stress of feeling like I have to get it in later or do whatever. And so it actually then frees up time, freeze. What I should say is it frees up time in my brain, 
frees up time in my head. That's so important to have that quiet space that we so often avoid because it can feel uncomfortable, but to invest in yourself while you're doing it uh, and utilize that time constructively. I think that's, that's really cool. What does your headspace look like now? Almost like a 180. I mean, it, it is, it is pretty different. I just, I feel like conversations I have with people are different. I notice like what I follow on social media is different. Um, I really kind of have the headspace that like, if it's not serving me and bringing me like joy and happiness that I, I don't need it. You know, we, we are what we surround ourselves with. Um, and I think too, for so long, I've, you know, worried about the image of others um, and, and, and what people think. I think that that has come a long way in my headspace as well that, and, you know, and I'm not, I'm not here to, to say like, oh, I'm just going to do me and I don't care about anyone else. That is not, um, that's not me <laughs> by any means. Um, right. you know, I, I care for others, you know, deeply. And I think that that's what I, I struggle with a lot is, you know, being that, that people pleaser, but I'm learning to have boundaries. I still have bad days. I, you know, I still struggle. There are days where I am completely exhausted in the morning and I will sleep in and not do my workout. But what I've also learned is to give myself grace and not beat myself up because I, I used to say it as, oh, I messed up, messed up. I I didn't do this or whatever. And it's not messing up. It's life, you know, life is messy. (laughs) And so it's not that you, you know, have to start over at something or, or whatever it may be. I think that that was a lot of times why I never started anything new or I never went after, you know, any dreams or passions or anything, because I was just afraid of messing up or failing and, and things. And that's just really no way to, to live. I liked what you said about the things that you're following on social media and the people that you're surrounding yourself with are people who are positive and they fill your cup. Um, but it's so, it's so critical to do that. Uh, but also, like you said, allowing yourself that grace, because I think that's one of the, I think that's one of the, probably the biggest lessons I've learned as being a busy mom, <laughs> a mom of, of young kids is that, you know, you may have this image in your head or, or whatever of how it's going to go. And nine times out of 10, it's not going to be that way, not get stuck there. I, I think that's what happened is I, had so many days of that and it just got stuck. It was, (laughs) that's, and that's how I like to word it is I was just stuck and I didn't know how to, I didn't really know how to get out of it um, until I started making those small changes um, and allowing yourself grace and patience along the way, because motherhood is not perfect. (laughs) And no matter, you know, no matter how much experience you have, it's, it's just always a messy, messy ride. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautiful one, but a messy one, but messy. Yes. A beautiful (laughs) mess. You've talked a lot about, you know, self-care and you touched on boundaries a little bit. Can you talk more about the boundaries that you've set in order to keep yourself sane? So, um, one of the things that I have done, I used to always think that I had to be readily available to everyone. So whether that be work, um, you know, in my position as director, a lot of times I do have to be available (laughs) Um, a lot after like school hours, but there's also things that I don't necessarily have to make myself available for or answer 
Um, so one of the things that I've done is like shut off notifications to all of my social media on my phone. So like Facebook, Messenger, Instagram, emails, um, and I don't open them until like I'm ready to open them until I'm ready to respond. And I have the time found that I was a, a, a people pleaser. And I just want to make sure that everything is taken care of and everything's, you know, everyone's cared for. Um, I found myself constantly on my phone, um, whether it was answering questions or answering emails and I'd be doing it like while I was making dinner. And then I found myself like having my phone at the dinner table and I'm like, Whoa, you know, like we've always had, a no phones at the dinner table rule, um, and things like that. And so just kind of not answering things until I'm ready to not worrying so much about what people think or that if you're going to hurt their feelings, you know, like it just has to be, nope, this isn't a good time for us. We'll do it next time or, or whatever it may be. Um, and so those are, I guess, just a couple of things that I've, I've tried to, that are working for me that I should say. You've talked a lot about identifying what you knew that you wanted to change and then changing that. And here's what I did to, to kind of make that adjustment in my life and set boundaries. What's something from others that you need in order to fill you up? Honestly, this one is just really hard to answer because I think that this is something that I'm still really working on because it is so hard for me to accept help, ask for help. I still try to take on a lot of a lot of it, <laughs> um, yeah. myself, but I think for me, what I need is, um, I am a, I don't know if you're familiar with the five love languages, but mine is acts of service. So if anybody, you know, like my husband, for example, if he unloads a dishwasher or sweeps the floor, I am like, yes, I love you. Thank you. <laughs> like that just made my day. Um, <laughs> you know, so I, I think just, you know, others realizing, even though I may not ask for help, like just to do it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, no, seriously though, because again, like, you know, I'm working on this mindset and, you know, and changing and and developing a lot of things. I mean, I still have a long way to to go. I mean, I, I feel like our lives are always a work in progress. And so I think that that is something I'm glad that you brought that up because I think that is something that I probably need to be more aware of. I think my fa- my focus is always, what can I do for me so that I can support and be there for others? Yeah. So that that's that's like some homework for me. Thanks. <laughs> well, report back. Report yeah. back. Yeah, I I um, definitely still have more work to do in that area. Who are your support people? So if you're having a down day or you're feeling really like you've kind of fallen off a wagon and just really struggling. Who, who do you, who do you lean on? Um, I probably say first would be my best friend, Kim. Um, we're just going through like all of the seasons together. Um, our, our girls are two months apart and then she has, um, one that's two. And of course I have river who is almost one and a half. We've been friends forever. And so it's just kind of nice She's also kind of my accountability partner with, you know, the, the workouts and all of this stuff. And so we're just going through all of the seasons together and it's, it's, it's great because so far it's worked out this way, but like, usually when I'm, you know, low or struggling, like she's doing great. And when she's low and struggling, I'm usually, and I said, you know, I don't know what's going to happen when both of us are having 
a rough day <laughs> because normally one of us can pull each other out of, of something. My husband, you know, of course is he's in the thick of everything with me. Um, he's been super supportive with, you know, everything that, that I'm doing when I do get up early and I'm like, Hey, I need to get to bed. So, you know, can you help with, with bedtime or, or whatever? If I, I mean, cause there are, there are some nights I go to bed at the same time as my children sometimes. Yeah. And then just my accountability groups and my, my coaching team, that kind of, that community of like-minded women. Um, they've been, they've been huge, uh, support. There's just nothing but positivity there. And it's just been nice knowing that there are so many other people going through what we're going through, whether it be mom season or just being a woman, just being a working woman, being a working mom, you know, what, whatever it may be, definitely my, my crew and then family, you know, like I said earlier, I have a very close family and, you know, I know I could call my mama, my dad, my sister. I I'm very fortunate. I, I have a, I have a pretty good, pretty good support system. What advice would you give to a young mom who might feel like she's lost her identity or is numb and overwhelmed by raising her kids? I know that this kind of sounds cliche and, you know, a lot of people say it, but don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be too proud to accept the help and don't ever feel guilty for doing the things that you need to do to take care of yourself. I missed out on so much of, I missed out on so much when, when Ava was, was young. Um, you know, I, I was looking back not too long ago, um, to find some pictures and I just really don't, I don't have a lot because I was not comfortable, you know, in, in, in myself or, or me, I hid, you know, so I don't have a lot of those, those memories. And, you know, when I talked about, you know, not going outside, you know, I went from a time where I did like every waking minute with her to, than not wanting to do things because I just let everything go. And if you're feeling stuck, just do something, do, do something to try to make yourself feel better. What advice would you give to the support people of young moms who are in the thick of it and everything seems so overwhelming? Just doing the things, just, just helping um, without them asking don't take things from my personal experience. Don't take things personal. You know, there were a lot of times that, you know, I had outbursts or I was yelling or I was, you know, irritable and whatever, just because I had so much and it was just weighing on me. And, you know, we lash out on the people that we are the closest to. So, you know, that was my husband, my mom, my, you know, my kids. And, you know, I know that that was really hard for Cody. I would say one other, one other thing is, would be to just never dismiss their feelings or, or the way that they, they feel about something or, or when, when someone is struggling and they're confiding in you for support, listen. I think that's one of the biggest things is, is just really, truly listening. I know sometimes as, as a listener, we want to be like, yeah, I totally understand. I get it. I get it. I get it. So that you, so that person knows that you understand you're listening or you're, you're, you're hearing to respond. You're listening to respond. You're not listening to listen, just listening and letting the person know that their feelings are, are validated. 
you know, that they don't have to have a reason to be feeling the way they're feeling. Yeah. I I like what you said about um, genuinely hearing and, and sharing space. Sometimes that's all you need is just to share space with other people. I think, yeah, I think that it's hard for people to not comfort others with their own experience. And I will be the first person, I'll be the first person to admit that like, sometimes I do that because I I want the other person to know, like, yeah, like I totally know what you're saying. I've been there, you know, whatever, but that may not be what, what they need to hear, you know, at the time or, or, or whatever, you know, and, and that, you know, comes to with knowing the person, you know, we're talking about the supporter. So knowing the person that you're supporting, Mm-hmm. What, what, what kind of space are they in? What are they needing? You know? Mm-hmm. And then maybe that is one of those things that you guys have a conversation about, you know, like what, you know, when you're upset like this, what do you need me to do? What do you expect of me? You know, mm-hmm. or when it's a situation like this, would you rather me do, you know, whatever. And to not be afraid of communicating. So what is your take on self-care then? Um, I think self-care sometimes gets this like preconceived notion that it has to just be like this, this treat that you're treating yourself, um, that it has to be, you know, a massage. It has to be a, your favorite drink from Starbucks. It has to be a hot bath or, you know, getting a pedicure, which don't get me wrong. All of those things are amazing things to do, you know, for, for self-care, Um, but I think as busy moms, we need to think more of just like the, the unflattering everyday self-care things, um, you know, like moving your body, eating good food, because if you're eating like crap, you're probably going to feel like crap. Um, you know, drinking more water, filling your mind with things that are positive, you know, building stronger relationships, communicating more with friends. And so I think self self care is also doing the, like I said, the not so flattering things of taking care of yourself. The abstract part of self care, uh, the mental, the mental work of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Pedicures and hot baths and all of that stuff feels great. And I, you know, if you can regularly do those things, then, you know, yes, go for it. And if that makes you feel good, but we also, I think just have to keep in mind of like the day-to-day grind stuff, you know, you can't go get a massage every day. You can't go get a pedicure every day. You know, you may be able to soak in a hot bath every night, you know, but you know, just those things that are going to, um, help you get through your day. I know that lots of women have experienced the, and and we've touched on it a little bit, but the excuse that there isn't enough time for me. um, And we kind of alluded to the fact that it might be because we don't want to look at me, you know, I don't want to look at me. (laughs) So what are your thoughts on that excuse that there just isn't enough time for me? I think honestly, that people will make time for what they want to make time for, to be completely honest. And, and I say this from a, a, a spot of, you know, when I may, I, when I had the excuse of not having enough time, I, you're right. I didn't want to look at me. I wasn't ready. 
to, you know, dive into me. Cause again, I was afraid of failure. I was afraid of, you know, whatever was on the other side, it was easier um, to, to make that excuse. But I, I do truly believe that people will, will make time for what they care about. And I mean, it doesn't even have to be, it doesn't have to be, you know, working out or, you know, whatever that's, what's working for, for me, you know, my, my gratitude and my workouts and my personal development and the self-help books. If you would have told me two or three years ago that I'd be reading self-help and personal development books, I would have been like, I don't need that. I can, I can do this all by myself. I'm fine. Um, but you know, those are the things that are, that are working for me, but it may be different for someone else. You know, maybe somebody wants to, you know, leave a a toxic relationship or, um, go after a degree that they've been wanting to get or, or whatever. I think you make time for, for what you want to do. Um, Mm -hmm. and and if you really want something and you really want a different life or your life to change, or you don't like how it is right now, you know, it's up to you to make those changes. And even as a busy mom with multiple children, you can do that. So good. And so true. Rachel, thank you. Thank you for sharing your heart and your thoughts on, on all of this. And I think, I think, uh, I think it has hit home for a lot of women. So thank you so much. You're very welcome. I'm super happy to be here. You guys, this has been Rachel Spurgeon. Um, I will put her Instagram handle, uh, in the description. So if you, you know, need some extra support, I'm certain she would be willing to help you guys. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. We'll catch you next week on the B podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the B podcast. Make certain to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. Screenshot this episode and share to your social media to bring awareness to this project. Share and join our community on Facebook. Thanks again for listening and I'll catch you next time for more inspiring stories told by real women. Wishing you peace and love. I'm Cami Milliken and this has been the B Podcast.